search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, BBCers, to episode number 130 of the Broken by Concept podcast, the number one solo queue improvement podcast in League of Legends. Now, Curtis, today, our topic, we're going to be exploring reviewing, really get into the details of reviewing. We've done 130 episodes of this podcast, Curtis. You know, some people come at different stages of this podcast. I think it's always important we revisit the the fundamentals of improving the way that we think about League of Legends. And honestly, our work over the last two years, that's what we do. That's what we do all day. Review games. We learn. We're students of the game. So let's firstly talk about what we've learned about what is a good review and a bad review. So let's list off some things, Curtis. What, okay. Why do we review? What's the point of reviewing League of Legends games? What is the difference... Eight years ago, when we just thought you just play all day and then you just get better naturally because you just play lots of League of Legends. Yeah. So uh, when I think of reviewing, um, you know, we've got a few quotes. The quality of your uh, review equals to the quality of your learnings. And remember, reviewing is, in my mind, I kind of compartmentalize it into two parts. You're reviewing things to refine your intuition. To make sure you're look, you're actually getting the correct. Your, your intuition is getting guided in the right direction, and you're reviewing to expand your knowledge of the game and and get a better understanding of dis, you know situations and decision making and 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 uh, because a lot of what we do in game is a blur, right? We make a lot of decisions intuitively. We don't know if they're correct or not. We can easily miss information during a game. Yeah, and and because we only play the game through one lens, you're one player in a game of nine other players in the game, right? You and nine other players. They have their own perspective. It's very easy to to kind of lose perspective over what is everyone else doing, what how and how did I contribute to the game as a whole? Because you only see you're in one very narrow lens, and and because your mental stack is so preoccupied. It's, it's unreasonable to assume that you're going to be able to process every little bit of information in the game. And chances are you you might have indirectly impacted other people on your team mm. without even realizing it. Mm. A classic example might, of that might be you're a mid laner, you get prior, and instead of hovering out of vision and you actually hit mid tower. But if you hovered out of vision, you could have maybe indirectly helped your bot lane, shove that wave out, get a reset. That's very common in jungle, very showing common. on the map by accident, yep. or stepping on a ward, going for a bad gank. It's not just the consequence of that lane. It's also how you impacting the rest of the map. And we don't quite know how, to what extent we've we, these mistakes uh, are impacting the, the outcome of the game in the game itself. We have to look at it in the review. Talking about the perspective of the nine other people, it amplifies for each person as well because of the unfortunate narratives that we need to deal with in the league community about I'm the carry, my teammates suck. So all these things is also blocking you being able to get into the review and look at it objectively, even if you are reviewing the game after. And today I really want to focus on not, you know, review quality. We're talking like, you know, what makes a good review? Um, some, 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 I guess, dang, potential dangers uh, and things that we, we need to try and avoid when reviewing games and the mindset in, when, you're, when you're reviewing a game um, because, yeah, these are very important. If you, and if you have some bad review habits, it's going to bite you in the ass in the long run. One of our other quotes, Curtis, that we like to say on the podcast is reviewing is the medicine. Yep. And when we say the medicine, we're talking about how you can make more sense of a game, be less frustrated, 
your relationship with the game in terms of understanding, again, how you're impacting the game. Uh, well, the way I view it is that, like, okay, there are there are a lot of, like... You know when you um, you watch a movie for the first time and you just don't understand it? And you're left feeling frustrated when you lose, leave the cinemas. You're like, what were they... What was that character doing? Or I don't understand certain parts of that movie. And so that what do you looks do? meaningful, but like, I wonder what the deeper message around that was. And so you're, you're, all you've, you're, in your mind, you've got all these unanswered questions and they're just kind of in your mind just going over and over. Like, what was that? I remember when I first watched the movie Tenet. I was like, I actually don't even know what the yeah. hell just happened. And that there. makes you like think, oh, that was a shit movie. But then what you do is you go on Reddit and search after like, whoa, that's crazy. That's so smart. Like the yeah. way the director did that. And, 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 and it, it makes you appreciate the movie so much more. Exactly. Because you're, again, you're only, there's so much going on in these movies, right? Like there's, there's the soundtrack and, and little quotes that you miss and little details and, and like- the, Everyone loves the Easter eggs. That's a big thing. Yeah, the Easter eggs. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a movie like that as well. If you watch it for the first time, you're like, yeah, it's an okay movie. But when you understand the backstory and- and, and then you rewatch it multiple times, it gets better and better and better. Now, the point I'm trying to make here and why I use this kind of metaphor is that in League, it's the same thing. Like you have all these unanswered questions, all these unaddressed things that you, you have a rough idea and you maybe have a baseline hypothesis of like what happened, but you need to go back over and be like, okay, let's just make sure that I had the right idea about this one. Let's just double check here. And and maybe the 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 you had a complete misinterpretation of the game state or the, 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 the game pace or whatever the hell it might be. And you need to double check. That's why I like to view it. So reviewing the medicine, it makes the game more fun for me. Yeah. Makes things make sense. It's just awesome. It's just awesome. And, and it's very hard, especially for our clients to see the benefit you know, when people first come into the, you know, watch the podcast and see, you know, people know about the reviewing, but some people are like, eh, like, I don't really understand it. And it's actually quite intimidating sometimes. Well, we need to clarify, and this is what I've been really big on at the moment, is reviewing is a skill. It is a skill. It that's is a correct. skill within itself. You don't magically... Yeah. And that's what people think. People think, oh, I can't anyone review it, can review. and now I'm just a god. Yeah, I everyone see thinks, everything. They think it's like anyone should be able to, to review. review. No, reviewing is a skill you learn just like CSing or just like jungle you know, jungle tracking, whatever it might be. It's a skill. Very important. And there are narratives around that, like just to, like there is in, in any other skill. There are narratives embedded within that that either prevent you from reviewing or having poor quality reviews. You can create bad habits in your reviews. Yes, in your reviews. You can have bad habits within your reviews. Yeah. Like you have bad habits with CSing or bad habits with... Um, trading patterns or whatever the hell it might be so you have to treat reviewing as this this very di- it's a difficult skill it's not a, it's not simple whatsoever and i think you know we've learned through through our experiences in solo queue we've gotten better at viewing over time and knowing where to direct our attention how to streamline streamline that process and i go deep in that even in my recent youtube video the into intuition how to improve your intuition i talk about different ways to to review in that one as well um so yeah, that's that's. I actually didn't even know that, by the way, when I nope. first started coaching, and I didn't really think reviewing was a skill. And it took me a while to realize that it is a hell of a skill, and it's a very important one to develop. Especially what we've noticed reviewing different ranks is common situations we're going to see over and over again. I, I did a recent count of all my reviews in my Soul Two coaching program. I've done six thousand seven hundred review games I've looked at, and I still think my review process could be way better, way more efficient, hundred percent, way better explaining things. You know, you've probably you've done about what, four thousand, five. Yeah, 000? I did this year. Yeah, is two thousand just over two thousand reviews this year, and last year very similar amount. So yeah, getting up there and near the five thousand mark, and yeah, it's that's not even including your own games. Yeah, that's not even including my own reviews. That's correct. And so yeah, I'm just, you know, like I said, reviewing is a skill. We just get better at it over time. All right. So what we're going to do here is that we have an example of a review. 
Now we're gonna we're going to this is from Nice. And why Nice? So Nice is obviously we get asked a lot in our YouTube comments, yes. in our communities, you know, what our opinion on Nice and that sort of stuff is. And, you know, the, at the end of the day, Nice is, I would say, he's the, the figurehead, the leader of the coaching community on YouTube. He has 300,000 subscribers. And, 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 and the thing is, I want to talk about, I don't want to talk about Nice as a coach today. I want to talk about Nice as a player. Because hmm. like us, we're coaches and we're players. Hmm. Nice is a coach and he's a player. And we're not here to talk about, I have no interest. We have no interest in, in discussing um, what do we think of Nice as a coach? What do we think about his pricing point? All that crap. We're not interested in that. Nice is Nice. We're doing what we want to do. And, and that's not of our business, right? We're not, we're not interested in that. We're interested in solo queue. We're interested in getting better at the game. And today we're going to be t- you, talking about Nice as a solo queue player in his review, in his review process, which is very important. Okay. Um, so this is not nothing about Nice personally or nothing like that. Very important to distinguish that. And Nice right now, for context, he's over in Korea, which is, for people that don't know, Korea is the server of people say it's the best solo queue, the hardest solo queue. So I came across this clip um, from my Soul 2 members, you know, talking, because he started picking up jungle, and they said, no, Nathan, Mm. go look at some of his jungle games. And Mm. I popped up on his stream, and I was watching, just some curiosity, and the findings were quite interesting. So let's look at it. Let's look at his review process, and then we'll we'll just react to this live. And the other thing, because I got I got uh, some people sent me stuff about Nice saying how you know he's got this he's got these big claims that he's he's gone into the Korea server to to try and achieve challenger sure. long term. It's his long term goal at the moment. This game as we he's roughly in, like he's sitting in Diamond Four right now. So th- this is in a Diamond Four level. So just to give context to the audience right now, he's in a, he's in Diamond Four. We review a Diamond Four game. All right, so we're going to start. We're just going to go straight into the review process. I'm going to clarify some context around the game as we're going through this because okay. I have seen this game from start to finish. So we're just going to go straight into the review process specifically from when Nice ends the game. And, and it's great that Nice is reviewing his game. So why? Yes. Right? It's a positive. And the way that it looks like Nice does it is that he goes into the review straight after the game. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's just pointless gameplay. It's not even a real game. People are like Nice, Nidalee's bad champ. It's like it's, it, and I can't even argue it because all this shit is is just better cheese champs. Kindred Shaco, like, what am I supposed to do with this? I just want to talk about this. I mean, when we first went to Korea, and I remember we put our first boot camps in twenty. Was it late twenty sixteen? Yep. We've been many, many boot camps in Korea, and it is a big, it does take time to adjust to Korea as a server in general. Korea, it is played very differently. Lots of fighting. There is very little macro, right? It is a lot of, you know, a lot of grouping. It's very fast paced. It's a different type of game. It really is a different type of game, and you need to adapt and and, and adapt to to the pace of the game. And what what we learn as well in Korea is that it, it, it is brutal. It is very brutal and you got to, um, you can't have your own way. You can't be stuck in your mind about like, this is the way I want it to go and not adapt. It's like the, it's like the server that forces you to adapt. Adapt, Adaptability is one of the most important skills to develop in Korean solo queue. Well, I'll comment on this because I've never played on Korean solo Mm. queue when I was like a player or playing at a Mm. high level. Mm. 
So I don't know. I don't know from the learnings. Like I feel mm. like I would have had a different view of the mm. Korean solo queue because that's my gameplay. The way I play the game, now, it's pure adaption. So I think that's the way you have to play the game. Yeah, no matter the yeah, server, I agree. but it's no just, but it's, yeah. it's just rammed up because the game pace is so fast. Yeah, well, that's interesting again because you know I'm looking at these games and they're not really much different from what I see in, in my games or EU or even NA in Diamond as well. But I'll be honest, I don't really have much experience in Low Diamond in Korea, but like. Yeah, so I would be careful. I think that I don't like that narrative, Curtis. Honestly, I think that that's that's hogwash potentially. All I know is that there are server differences. Mechanically, I know the players obviously better, but you know, I'm I'm a jungler. I don't have to rely on mechanics that much, so I might have a different perspective on it. But when we eventually do do a Korean boot camp, I I'll you know that's going to be a journey we share with you guys. Yeah, all I'm all because I did play once and I learned support in Korea. Right. So again, and I'm not going to, I can't say what it was like from NA because I didn't, I didn't, this is from Iris, right? Just comparing from my, from our server. This was in 2018. Um, I played for about two, it was like two and a half weeks or something, unranked, non boosted MMR account to D1 support, learnt support. So I'd never played support before then. I was a, I was a mid only player at that point. I wouldn't even play because I was a coach at the time, but we had a lot of time. So I decided to play solo queue and I, an unranked coach, un, unboosted mmr account from uh you know unranked to to diamond one in two and a half weeks learning pike bard alistar and tom kench right with um coach cupcake or the player cupcake at the time helping me with a little bit and what i found the differences were it it was at the time anyway and this was in 2018 and obviously things can change and services can evolve same as oris and na and stuff like that but at the time it was significantly faster paced. You literally couldn't play the same champions in Oris mm-hmm. versus in Korea. Okay. I got back to Oris playing the, tried to play the same style. It wouldn't work because mm-hmm. the, the players weren't training as heavy. And I was playing this perma like Rome style and the the, 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 the jungles were playing like Xin Zhao and Kim, other times like Camille jungle. And then, so the champ, the literally the champions that were getting played were different. So that's just speaking from my experience playing Korean solo queue. So that's why I say that. Okay. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. I'm definitely excited to go. All right. Continue All right, on. So, no, the first thing here is that, so we've just finished the game for context, going back yep. to what he said. He's finished the game, and this is a trap that I see quite often. Already, the first thing that we're talking about, the language that we're using, is that cheese champions, so he, for context, he's just lost to a Shaco. They lost pretty quickly. I think the game, they FF'd at 15 minutes. And Shaco got lots of ganks off, and that's the first thing that he's already bringing. And up. also, we need to we need to empathise here. He's obviously had a, he's probably on a loss streak here. He doesn't look like he's in the he's in the right mental. Like he's obviously we, we've all been there, right? You've had a rough loss streak. Your emotions are probably getting the better of you. He's getting a bit beat down here, so we've got to give him give content. Give Especially him the if he's versed a couple of these champs in a row, it's very easy to get into the very easy to get into this mindset of like, okay, champions. The first thing that could be the problem. Yep, champion is always the first. Uh, it's the easiest way to. Yes, to that's the key thing, excuse. and that's the interesting thing about our psychology that works mm-hmm. is that we love to look at the game surface. That we see the end screen, we see who's fed. Okay, that's the problem with the game. Yep. Right. So that's the first trap here that I'm already seeing. You can literally watch the VOD of me try to ward for it, try to invade it, and ping it. Look at this. There's no way to win. Right, so it's interesting. We get before we even get into the VOD, we already have now labeled a a a narrative about the game. There was no way for me to win. There's no curiosity in there. There's no like, okay, maybe a better way to word this would be, um, hmm. That game was like really hard. Like oh, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see any many options to win. Like it let's felt, take a look. It felt really hard. Yeah, and it felt like there was no way to win. But let's 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 see. 
Yeah, you're gonna be careful of your language, guys, mm. because your language does change the way you think. Yes. All right. Really important stuff. Well, it can, it, it it alters your mindset. Mm. Yeah. And this is before we even get into the looking at the gameplay, trying to see everything we maybe have missed. There's no way to win in this early game. Look, other than just gamble and sit there, which I fucking hate it because it's stupid. Look. All right, so for the Spotify listeners, what we're seeing here on the screen here is that uh, the enemy team comp is an Aatrox, Shaco, Syndra, Kaisa, and Nautilus. And a his team is, he's got Yone, he's playing Wukong, and he has a Malzahar, Nami, and Caitlyn. Hey guys, let's invade. All right, so the first thing here is that he's already missed over in this review because obviously he's trying to, what he's trying to do here, it looks like he's trying to explain why Shaco is the best champ in the game and he couldn't beat it in the other game. So what he's doing here is that, so let's, this is the way I'm reviewing this game here, guys, is that he is trying to invade to break boxes against Shaco. That's a very common yep. strategy. Yep. Everyone knows that. Yep. The thing that I'll be looking here is that this is something that would be very coin flip in my eyes because especially the higher ranks you go and maybe the expectation from Korea would be a, a Norlis could easily, they could all be five-man stacking in the bush and they have Nisa's team's very weak level one. They would get absolutely insta-gibbed by the cast of Nautilus, you know, Syndra, Shaker wouldn't be that useful. Or M&A trucks would just kill everyone here as well. So already here, this is something we've missed. And this is, you know, this is something that maybe Nisa's inexperienced with. Maybe he's used to being able to break boxes. And, you know, this is just me because I'm experienced reviewing these type of games with Shaker. And I've seen this many times and I've lost to this. Okay. So that's already the first thing that... Uh, so they use the shake that everyone knows, like the Shaker would ping assistance. You mean yeah, like you maybe above the red yeah, and stack there. And then when they come to the box, you boxes, can kill. You yeah, kill them, it's yeah. scary. It's scary. It's very very yeah. coin flip here, yeah. right? So, and again, you know, you know, you talk to me, Curtis, about you know, Korean being high mm. game pace. You know, this is Diamond Four, and mm. I'm now I'm surprised that they didn't do this at all, mm. especially with how aggressive Korea is. You know what I mean? Like this is just the normal game of League of Legends yeah. in Diamond Four and Platinum in NA and OU. You know, what I'm what I'm what I'm what I mean just to clarify what I mean by fast pace is people are less af they're, they're they're less afraid to trade. Yeah, okay, I can the, 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 yeah. the, the 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 lanes are played more volatile. Mm. Is what I mean. All right. 125. Oh, we invade randomly. Okay, we're going to blue now. So what I want to talk about here, Nathan, as well, is that that was his, um, he, he had a crack at, that was his, his. so there was a problem, which is, okay, we need a spot shaker early, make his break clear, his boxes. break his boxes, make it slow down his clear, right? And that was, so he had a potential solution. The solution failed, right? They didn't do it, right? The, the solution failed. So problem, potential problem, solution, solution didn't work. And that's the, that's the end. But what it needs to be, and we'll continue on, but I just want to kind of highlight it as a problem and a solution. Right? I really want to bring it back to input, output. Input, output, problem, solution. Just want to keep that as like a, a theme of this of this video. All right, we'll definitely see that coming up here now. Morons. All right. Here comes Nice. Ready? Ping, ping, ping. Here comes the gank. You see it on the mini-map. You see it. Look, ping, ping. His camp's gone. Ping, ping. They refuse to sit back. There it is. Wow, there it was. All right, so problem solution here, Curtis. Yep. 
The problem here is that Shaco and Nice did know this very obviously, and this is a very common thing you know, especially more experienced players. Shaco has the fastest level three in the game. Yep. Red, Raptors, Krugs, and then he always a level three gank spot over the wall. Yep, and it makes sense because you've got Nautilus as well. Shaco's got Nautilus to help complement the gank setup. And he's got a very volatile Pretty straightforward. All right, so solution to this, really simple, is what you do and I tell this to my clients all the time, is against Shaco. The best case scenario for him is for this to happen, for Shaco, to kill your bot lane. He could also gank mid here as well. This is best case for Shaco. Best case yes. for Shaco. And all you do is you ward over the wall, even if you ward the bottom tri brush, to, you'll be able to see him about to... So, you, so instead of going to break, you can actually do similar things. You could break, say you can't break the, the boxes on the Raptors. Yeah. Just go bot, ward the, the tri bush on bot side. Yeah. And then that way you have the ward there to spot out Shaco, and you'll just gank. waste his time. You just waste his time because then your bot lane will respect. So that's a that's a, a solution. That is a solution. So there's a problem. Shaco has a lot of threat on your bot lane yep. at level level three. Yep. Um, and there's no way for you to be able to counter this because you're level yep. two and you don't want to counter this. Yeah, Wukong cannot counter this. That's yeah. just the reality. Yeah. What I want to also talk about and start to mention just just to bring it up here, there are real very very real champion differences. Wukong has his particular strengths and weaknesses. Shaco has his strengths and weaknesses. Your job is to try and find, find creative ways to minimize the strengths of the enemy champions while making the game catered around your strengths, right? This is like a theme. That's like a mindset, really, right? So the only reason you were able to come up with that is that you've probably had similar experiences, yep. painful experiences. Where I've lost many up. games from this. Exactly lost many situation. games from this versus Shaco players. And so you're like, I can, what, what can I do? Hmm. Reviewed it. And thought, oh, I can actually maybe do this, this, this ward. Now, the thing is, and this is what we want to talk about here, with this type of review, it's impossible to come up with that solution. Because he's not in that frame of mind. He's not in that frame of mind. He's not in the problem-solving mindset. It's showing how, it seems like, how bad my bot lane is to die to this when it's so obvious to him. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, he, he did he did well with the pings, right? He did a really great job. Like, he did well with the pings, right? So that's, that's again, I told a problem. Shaco, ganky bot. His solution was ping danger, danger, danger. And his bot lane backs off. And then Shaco can't get the gank off. But, again, okay, there's a few things to consider here. He's got a Caitlyn Nami. Yep. Caitlyn Nami, basically, they have to shove. Hmm. There's actually no way they, they can't. They basically have to shove in that lane. That's if they a get high shoved pressure in, lane. They're kind of screwed. They hmm. have to shove there. I mean, then they don't really operate as a duo, right? So they have to shove. Um... And so that solution that he's got, it's just not a good enough solution. It's not a reliable enough solution. So, okay, we've done the boxes, didn't work. We've done the pings, didn't work. So now this is your stage where you rack your brain and be like, okay, is there anything I can do with my pathing? No, I'm a Wukong, I can't do that. Okay, there. And then, all right, maybe I can do a creative ward or do something like that. Again, I'm talking, and I'm not even, it's not, it is about the specifics, but it's actually about the mindset here, the problem solving mindset. You either got a, like a victim mentality and like a, uh, this is why I'm losing mentality or, okay, how could I win mentality? Okay, let's kind of plant that seed in there now. Love that. Very important. All she has to do is flash it. So that's very interesting there, talking about all she has to do is flash it. So it looks like his solution there, it's sort of out of his control, but you actually don't even want your Caitlyn to flash it because if Caitlyn loses her flash early game here against a Kaisa and a Nautilus, there's a lot of pressure on your bot lane here as well. I think well. that's negligible anyway, dude. Like like whether, I mean, it's like, it is what it is. They could have, could have, should have, would have. Like whether the they flash it or don't flash it, it's like, it's, they don't have flash, they're, they're screwed anyway. In my opinion. Like I don't even think it's worth mentioning me personally 
Well, because the way I love to look at this jungle is like, here's an example, Curtis, right? Mm. Let's say you're playing, uh, you have, you're against an Aurelia mid. Yep. Sorry, no, you're the Aurelia. You're okay. Aurelia mid against a, let's say a, a zero or something like okay. that. And you're pressuring really hard. And then the enemy jungle does like a really obvious gank or something like that. And then the, you're, as Aurelia, you've just lost your flash. That okay. actually changes a lot the pressure that's happening in the game right now because you've lost so much kill threat potentially. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way. I, that's why I think this is really important to mm. review as well. Is that yeah? Sometimes you might think it's like yeah, she could flash and stuff like but that. But it doesn't really change the yeah. Whether you die or both flash, it can change. It changes. It, it's still big. It's still huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that's another. But that's another way of viewing the game again. Whether it's realistic or not to actually happen in the game. Yeah. Ideally, I don't want my bot to lose summer spells early. No, your Caitlyn. You don't want your, you want your Caitlyn to be safe as possible. That's right. So that's you know he's proposed a solution that I don't think is actually acceptable. That's not where I'm looking. That's not what I'm going for. Okay. I want to just waste Shaco's time here showing an award. Nope. Now here it comes, right to mid. No mana, pushed right up. Oh, you're dead too. All right. So, again, this is very obvious in the review to see. Malzahar, Curtis, you're, you're the mid laner here. Mm -hmm. How would you... Yeah, so I want to talk about this. This is an interesting one. So I want to talk about it from a jungler's perspective, yep. and I want to talk about it from a mid laner's perspective. So from a mid's perspective here, right? So this is that gank. And so here, you can tell that this Malz is... He's trying to do... Like, he's, he's in combat. Like, he's fighting the waves into, like, a pretty precarious position. He's got no mana. It looks like he's trying to brute force the wave out into some sort of a tempo reset. It looks like... He, that's right. You know, that's what he's trying to do here. Um, now... Look, at the end of the day, I, it's, I think I would, I, I agree. Like, it's quite reasonable, I guess, to assume that your mid laner could see this. But your job in League of Legends, it doesn't matter if you're a mid or a jungle, is to make the game as easy as possible for your team to win, right? As a jungler, you don't have to think that much right now. You're just clearing camps. You're full clearing as a Wukong. Isn't it? Isn't it like very easy for you to ping danger that like because it's obviously Shaco's done three camp bot side he's ganked bot he's going to be walking up the river as a jungler wouldn't it be very easy like you should now think okay he just went bot I should pan my camera mid and then danger being up the river that Shaco could be there like that's that's reasonable to assume right absolutely you should be pinging it two things yeah I mean you got to take responsibility if there's Malzahar death simply because it's an obvious gank and also your mid lane is wave is in complete trouble yes. here right now so you're, as a jungler you need to be aware of these wave states absolutely make the, and, and you talk about this a lot where your responsibility as a jungler you can ping because you have more information about the jungle's location than the than the mid lane is a lot of the their time. mental stacks way more the mental stacks overwhelmed they're occupied with trading and and oh, there's actually a very important point I want to talk about here you're playing in he's playing in diamond four these players are diamond four for a reason okay so so the way I view it is like if he dies to this gank it makes sense that's why he's diamond four like he's not diamond four because he's he's playing perfectly legends not dying to any ganks and you know playing flawlessly. They're making base. You, if you're in diamond four, you're making basic mistakes. Even if you're in high diamond, you're still making basic mistakes. There's no, there's no sophisticated mistakes going on here. His mental stack is overwhelmed. He's probably versing a Syndra, getting a, trying to brute force wave. He's panicking a little bit. That's why he's diamond four. So you, you know whether or not that annoys you or whatever. It's just the reality of the situation. So it's like, okay, he died. Is there anything that I could have done here to prevent this? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes a gank is a gank. It's you must ask that question. That's the question that Nice needs to be asking yes. and not saying, oh, my guy's such an idiot for dying to this. Problem. Again, so the problem, again, problem solution. Problem, my mid laner died. Okay. 
Let's look at this. Was there any signs in the game? This is what I say to my clients and in the review. If you die, let's say I'm the Malzahar, right? Or let's actually look at it from, from Nisa's perspective. If I'm a jungler and, and my and problem, I'm looking at the review, my mid laner died to the jungler. Okay, that's a problem. What are the, the, what are the solutions? What are the potential solutions? And then you say, okay, maybe I, I could have pinged. And then you say, well, what are the signs the game is telling me to make this, to ping this? Well, Shaker in this case showed bot side. You know, he's done a three camp bot side. He has to go through mid here regardless. That's it. Boom. That's the learning. I could have pinged mid here. And that's it. It's literally as simple as that. You got to go through that that process. But he didn't, I don't think he mentioned here that he could have pinged for the, for the mid laner here, right? No. He's assuming that it's obvious and his laners are, yeah. you know. You notice Mel's actually wards this. He does actually somewhat no aware. Right it is hard to because Shaco can actually he can oh, actually stealth dead. from the ledge yeah. and not get seen. Yeah. So his facial expression, he was very confused. Mm -hmm. How? Like, there's literally nothing I can do. Okay, interesting. There's the statement. There's, there's nothing, nothing I, can, I do can do when there's plenty of things that he could have done to minimize Shaco's early game here. And the start in blue as well option, the way that you think about the Shaco matchup as well, this is just some advice as a jungler, is you should actually get level four here. And typically if Shaco wastes his time or fails any gank, you have the level four to level three advantage. And if you match him on his red side, you start blue. You actually have a lot of options to pressure him in his top side. Yeah, camps. if he failed that bot gank yep. and failed that mid yep. gank. You're suddenly in a huge yeah. position you, and the, you, you the game's the game. actually really bad. Yeah, you can win the game. And the other thing as well is that let's say if your top lane and mid lane doesn't have priority and maybe they you know mess up their lane, then your mindset is insta reset and go bot and contest his bot camps on Swan because he's lost 10. Mm. So there's so much you can do against this, but this is where mm. the curiosity needs to the come The curiosity, play. he's already made that statement. And, and this all actually stems from, from what he said heading into the review. Before he's even seen this, he already had the conclusion that there was nothing I could have done. And, and he's, he's going into the review to prove to himself that there, he was right. There was nothing he could have done. And this is, like, you know, this is a very important point. This is, if, if anyone's listening to this, and there's one thing you can take away from this entire video, even if you click off after I say this, I don't give a shit. This is a, this is a review tidbit, juicy tidbit here. You need to, the mindset you need to have when you're reviewing guys, the mindset you need to have when you're reviewing is you must automatically assume that you are in the wrong and go into the review to prove yourself that you were actually right rather than Assume that you are right and go into the review to prove yourself that it was wrong. Is that I've said that right? So you assume that you're wrong. Go so through, you should assume that you're assume wrong. Assume that you're wrong. And you have to prove to yourself, you have to go through the effort to say, oh, actually, no, I was right. Rather than, like, if you come in with the baseline assumption that every play and everything you did was correct, it's so much harder to straw man yourself. It's so much harder to prove yourself that you're wrong because you want to feel comfortable. You want to feel like, I made the right decisions. Like it's an ego protection mechanism. So I tell all my clients, and this is how I actually stay mentally sane as Holocue, by the way. This is my mental resilience toolkit, toolkit here. If I if if something feels off in a game, or I make if something we lose a 2v2, or um my team dies on a dragon, or my team team fights without me, or whatever it might be, or we lose a baron fight, or whatever, my baseline assumption is I messed up somewhere here. I, I messed up somewhere here. Highly, highly, highly likely. I might not have though, 
but it's easier for me mentally to assume that I contributed to the situation in some way, shape, or form because chances are I probably did without even realizing it. And then I go into the review to prove myself. Oh, you know, actually, no, actually, Curtis, you're actually you're actually in the good there. But more often than not, I did contribute to it. But it's so much easier that way. So imagine if he came in thinking, okay, my bot died, must be my something mate died, I missed here. it must be something I missed. I contributed to this in some way, shape or form. Especially when you think big picture for context of Nisa's journey right now, mm. he's diamond four with 250 games with a negative win rate. That's more be, than that. Nearly like 300, he's over 300 games or something like that. That should be even more of a time where you should be thinking, I must be missing something I'm here. not going you anywhere. You should be going into the assumption that whatever I'm doing is not working, it's yeah. wrong. And, you know, this is times to, you know, reach out to other people, get other people to look objectively yeah. because it is very difficult to review it's a game difficult. objectively when you're in a hole. That he's in a like hole right now. And, and this, this is the thing with, with Nisa, you know, um, the hole that he's in right now where... You're playing suboptimal League of Legends. And the only way to get out of this hole is to realize, okay, I'm at, di- I'm at a Diamond 4 level. Accept I am, your level of play. Accept my level of play. I'm playing at a Diamond 4 level right now. Okay, cool. We all start... So I've no, I've no, I don't give a shit about that. Right? It doesn't matter. I'm not here to judge anyone's level of play. But he's playing at a Diamond 4 level objectively. Okay? And that's what he's got to realize for himself. I'm playing at a Diamond 4 level. Okay. What does... Okay, okay. now my job is to make sure, okay, I need to make Diamond 3 or Diamond 2 level decisions. This is your assumption that you want to improve at the game. I want to improve at the game. Okay, so I'm doing something wrong here. Because if Faker was in these games or Canyon or Bo was in these games, like he he would be out of this rank so fast it wouldn't even be funny. So obviously there's a difference somewhere in decision making. It's not just teammates. There's something that you're doing. Now it's your job to be curious with a magnifying glass and try and figure out what's going wrong with the quality of your decision making. And you got to accept where you're at. If you don't accept where you're at, he's not going to get it. And so the toxic cycle starts, okay, I'm playing poorly, but when your review quality is poor, you're then just reiterating that narrative that it's like, oh, my teammates or whatever the hell it might be, Korean Solicute, the better champs or whatever the hell it might be. And that's fueling it. And then you just continue to stay at that level, but then you're getting worse mentality. You're actually playing worse because the mentality is like you're playing with low confidence or you're getting tilted, frustrated, really easy, or lack of adaptability. And then you just stay there or even drop. So if he doesn't fix his review process, he actually won't get out of the mental rut and he'll probably stay there for months. This is the example of someone that won't improve. That's correct. With this stay here for, and we've seen this. People that will stay at the same rank for months and months and months and Years months. Years. And, then- and he could fluctuate because maybe he picks a champ that's really good in the meta or something like that. He could he could spike up to D2. He, he hits a stride with a champ that's good in the meta. But in the long run... You don't magically you, go to Challenger. You, don't, you will never... Literally, never with this process. You will never uh, it will get to Challenger with this process. He needs to address this process if he wants to get to Challenger. Unless I sit there with him, man. How stupid. How bad. How bad a game is that? It's either I sit there and watch it or I lose. I have to just completely flip it. All right, so that was the end of his review. He, so I think that's actually good that he has a quick end of review. Yeah, process. that is that's actually fine. Like yeah. that, that, I mean, in a weird way, like it was, it wasn't an end of review. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, he didn't view he didn't view it as an end of review in the same way you would review it as an end of review. That's he, right. he's, he's end of review because my teammates. I've so, no hope of winning the game. Yeah, so I have no, yeah, I have no yeah. hope of winning the game because my teammates are so bad. So it's end of review. But you would end the review because it's like I contributed to these deaths and yeah. it's end of review. That's right. Two completely different mindsets. <laughs> it's two ways to come to the same conclusion. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs>
<laughs> but so you know what we're doing here? You're going back into the gameplay because he he there was some things that he did after that. There's some yeah. So what we're doing here is we're going back into the actual when he's playing live. So now. This is not the review anymore. No, this is not the review. This is just me. What I'll be re- reviewing this uh, with the client, um, and this is more to highlight how the language that he'll use here is also affecting as well his review because mm. a lot of the time what I'm doing and what we're doing is that you know. It's not always good, but you're you're sort of like doing quick review in your mind as hmm. well during the game, yeah. right? You're like sort of trying always. to learn on the fly. So this is sort of like I would say the premature review, which is also affecting his bigger review process. And this is language that I see quite a lot. And in, and, and just in a players. side note, by the way, um, if you're a Wukong, right? And um, like I still feel like I mean, look, let's say those two deaths happen. Sometimes that's, that's going to happen, right? Sometimes. It is what it is. Uh, like, I, I mean, sometimes that can be game over, and sometimes you will just auto-lose that game. There are going to be games where Nice has, where there is literally nothing he can do, and his bot's going to die to a gank, and his mid's going to get solo killed, and he has three losing lanes. That is going to happen. So the scary thing is when you're playing solo queue, right, and in his journey, he's misinterpreted this game as a 30% loss, an auto-loss. This is not an auto loss. An auto loss looks like where there are some, so you genuinely have like three losing lanes and you got counterpicked in draft. And that, but now what's happened, you're screwed. You're thinking every game is an auto loss. Because remember, the ratio is now completely fucked in his mind right now. Because now you're thinking, if that was a 30% loss, but that, the one before was a 30% loss, then the 40% losses are stacking up, right? Yeah. And it's not making sense. No. And now it's all, so if you mislabel a game a 30% loss, that gets very slippery very, very quickly. And this is what we've talked about. We've had episodes before talking about the danger of the 30-30-40 yes. rule. Yes. Uh, very important. All right, so let's go over some other points in the game that mm. he missed here, the way that I'll review it. So give you some context of the situation here. He is 2-0, so yeah. he did get some kills. He did some great game. I think he did after this, he did some good uh, counter gank. A gank really bot. good counter gank. Um, and it's five minutes in the game. His Malzahar's just hit level six and the enemy Syndra's six. She's pushed up. Malzahar's ult, right? And he's going to jump over the Raptor wall to gank the Syndra. And he's hitting on 1500 gold. And he's, and he's sitting on 1500 yep. gold from that counter gank. Right, so he goes for the gank, and then he dies for the shaker. Yeah, not enough damage. Maybe if I had recalled and tried it, maybe. And his review there, he so he, that's what he's just done. He just had a quick review, and his conclusion was that he didn't. He should have reset to get items in. That gank would have worked. Do you want to touch on this, guys? Yeah, this point? is a very big part of the game. So Nice did a really good job of getting back into the game. So his bot died. His mid died before to give context. He, he full cleared topside, reset, went bot, counter ganked the Shaco, correct? That's kind of what happened in the game. He's 2-0. He then, full, I think he full cleared up topside again, right? And now he's sitting on 1,500 gold. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, he cleared back up top. He cleared back up topside. So he's in a really good position as Wukong. You're a 2-0 Wukong. You're really, you're really strong. He's got, I mean, not, he's got a lot of gold anyway. He can be really strong. The way I want to talk about this is um, the game is on you. 
at this point. You're a carry on, or pretty much carry oriented jungler, right? Like you know, you're not an early gank oriented jungler like a like a Shaco or Zinzao or Rexy. Lukong right? is a very good strong team fire. Yeah, you have amazingly, especially nowadays with the ravenous ravenous build and everything. So he's in a really good carry position right now. So when you're in this sort of situation, especially the contract you signed with the game as a Wukong player, it's like I can't really afford to make mistakes as a full clear jungler. My we early game's like not that strong compared to Shaco. Like I've already said that I've already agreed that I'm not helping my laners in the early like early like pre-first base like i can't well, you help can my but you can't do it as much not as, as much right that, and that's yeah. important to establish the contract like shako has his strengths and i have my strengths and now it's time for me to do what i'm good at right so i think it's important to think about that so there are many ways to review this so i think this gank's great i think it's a good gank to blow the flash like imagine here boom blows the flash small wins back small off. wins huge now Syndra has no flash. Malzahar's ult's going to be back up before Syndra has flash again. you got 1,500 gold. You recall right now. You have, and you hit six. You have a lot of threat on the Syndra. You're mm. in a very good position, mm. in my opinion. You don't want to be the Syndra here. I would not want to be the Syndra in this situation. You're in a very good position here, right? So, so okay. So this is, where, this is where things get tricky. He thinks he can go for this kill. He thought he had the damage to go for the kill. So the two ways to review this. I'm going to tie this back to something. You might disagree. Let's get into this. Is, we're getting into the weeds here. I talk about a concept called there's the learning phase and the and the execution phase of solo queue. So I believe, and, and I've talked about this in my Yona guide that's coming out. It will be out by the time this is released. Where um, I view it in in league when I learnt Yona, you oscillate between two phases. You have a limit testing phase, and then you have a conservative phase. And basically, what this means is that. If you are playing to really learn the limits of your champion, and like, as one should when they're learning a champion, for example, to see your damage output, see what your champion can really do, see how much damage you can take. Like, th there is a phase of your journey where these mistakes, where he flashes for the kill here to see what he can do, is correct in the long run because you actually can see what your champion can do. But you've got to realize that these sorts of decisions to flash over this guy and go for this kill... If we're talking about maximizing LP and, and executing, um, this is not a good this is not a good decision to make for winning games. This is a good to learn a champion. It's not good to to, to climb essentially because as you know, and then you would probably say this: where take the flash, reset, go back, win the game through your win cons, right, and just play for yourself in this situation. Um, my point is saying that it, it, I, I, I'm conflicted about this because, again, it's, it's good from a limit-testing perspective to learn more about Wukong. It's bad from a winning-the-game perspective. So it's, we're talking about risk at this stage. He's a 2-0 Wukong with 1,500 gold. If we're talking about if this is the world stage, he's, a, he's on the semifinals, he's versing SKT, you're probably not going to go for this play. You're probably just going to take the, take the flash. You've got the 1,500 gold. Shaco could be here. It's risky to continue going for this play. I've got a Yasuo player in the MLA that is permanently in this state. He doesn't perceive risk. He's 24-7 limit test phase. There is no execution phase in his mind. So he got, I'll give you an example. He was playing for the Pantheon mid. He solo killed the Pantheon mid. D there was a huge stacked wave into the Pantheon. Denied the Pantheon like two and a half ways. Game's over at this point, right? Then the Lilia comes by to collect the wave. Uh, he was two levels up on his Lilia, tries to limit test, and when he's on, uh, the Astro's on like 100 HP, tries to outplay and kill him, dies to the Lilia. It's not necessary to win Why? the game. Why? You could just base <laughs> and win the game. Yeah. But, but what, he's, and what he said, I'm like, okay, we reviewed it from a, two lenses. From a limit testing perspective about Yasuo, thumbs up. If you want LP, 
and you want to win the games, this is bad. So it depends on your time span. It depends on how you're viewing, where you're at in your journey. So if he thinks he's already great at Wukong and wants to climb, not good. If he wants to learn Wukong and really push his limits at the side, willingly, willingly lose games because of it, great. That's 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 kind of my interpretation of this. But you got to know which what when you're doing those type of plays, so then you're not confused about you're not blaming. You're not the confusing why you lose while you're the game. losing games. That's the key. Because this is in my eyes. I mean, I'm not a jungle coach, and I don't know jack shit about jungle. But this looks like an end of review play for me. Yeah. You die as a carry-on into jungler who's ahead 2-0 when you've got three losing lanes and you've got 1,500 gold. End of review. That's right. How do you make... What, what, so what are your thoughts on this? Break this one down for me from a jungle coach's perspective. All right, so this is really simple. I agree with you here. What we're going to do is get the flash small win because it's so low, low effort because he just Ws over the wall and E's once and you're good to go. But this chase is the problem. And so the reason that this is a problem here is talking about the value of a kill getting kills as a jungler is not like laners when you kill your opposing laner they don't really get like a, a chest turn or a move because that guy's dead right like you are just got a numbers advantage on the map but when you're a jungler you go for overextend go for a kill the enemy jungler actually usually has a turn over mm. you they because he's going to know which area of the map he's going to go into you're going to lose resources your hp you know mana uh you know let's say if he has ult he doesn't have ult here but your flash the enemy jungle actually has a move here. So he, well, the other context as well, Syndra has TP. So even if he happens to kill the Syndra here, he doesn't know where Shaco is And the wave's well. fine. Syndra's not really losing anything anyway. That's right. Because the wave's already out. Anything. Right, yeah. You're, this is just a low it's value It's a low value kill, kill anyway. Anyway. Yeah. And that's that's moving away from, the again, the way he was reviewing it in the game. It's, I figured out how to get this kill, but bigger picture, what good jungling looks like is thinking about what is the value of this kill mm. and what is the enemy jungler's move after this? Because mm. typically what would happen here is that use your all your resources here. You tank the minion wave. Yeah, let's say Shaco doesn't counter gank this. Malza has no ult in his oom. Now Shaco can go invade and take your top camps and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, this is, and, and you're actually bailing Malza out of a shitty situation. This is such a high value. This is such a good gank, right? Because it it's so time efficient. Yeah. When I think of good jungling, I think of time efficient ganks. They're not dicking around, waiting no. for a while. It's just boom. Not overextending, running through a wave. He, it's a beautiful gank. Over the wall, instantly blows flash. Then he can, this allows Mel's to get a free reset. You bail your Mel's out of the lane. Yep. Uh, now he gets a free reset, probably gets his lost chapter or whatever. You're in a very, very good position. And Syndra might have to TP. She burns her TP and no flash. Amazing. Bam. Level six. And, it, and, it's, so, and it's so quick. And, and Shaco can't really punish you that much here if you just go. Because you're, so, you're full HP. All your resources yeah, are all alive. That's right. And you've just pushed in the wave. You can't invade. Can't invade, yeah. It's yeah. a really, really good gank if he backs off right now. And that's how quickly things can change in League of Legends. It can go from really good situation to bad situation yes. very quick. Yes. All right, so this is the big thing, and I agree. This would be the end of review because when you're ahead like this, you can't die. Can't die. There, and you have three losing lanes. I have a great example of this in my Rek'Sai guide, if anyone wants to reference that. In my full game example, I'm playing Rek'Sai against a Karthus that's scaling me. I'm 0, zero, zero by 11 minutes. I'm aware that I have to make a high-impact play, high-impact kills to win the game. I identify top, slow pushing wave here, kill the GP, and then we kill him again. We d deny three, four waves, and then we're back in the game. And then I go bot, and then I make another high impact play. And we win that game in 22 minutes. When that game looked like anyone else, if you make a mistake like this, instant lose the game. So it's possible, guys. I execute this in my games. I've seen this. I'm not a theorist. I execute hmm. stuff like this all the time. And also, what I want to talk about here is that um, it's very... Okay, so let, let's say... I want to talk about this and I want to just visualizing here. Let's say he does this and Syndra just, su just survives 
But Shaco doesn't kill him, right? I guarantee it's very difficult. What I've, what I've noticed with people with poor review um, habits is that they they don't admit that they got lucky. And, yes. and and what happens is mm. that they 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 will look over this. Mm. So let's say we, we again let's visualize for a second. Goes for this play, and let's visualize. Let's say Shaco then d- like pops up right next to the Syndra, and, and Shaco's just like can't get in range, and then he just walks out. Right? He would then think, oh, like he would. It's highly okay. I can't. I can't. I can't make this conclusion. I can't make this. Um, can't assume. I can't make any assumptions here, but based off what we've seen so far with his review quality, and uh, and to be fair, a lot of people make this mistake as well. It's not it's a very common review mistake. Is that they they don't admit that they got lucky because they they look at the positive and they they dis they they lower. What's it called? They they uh, value the the negative parts lower. If that makes sense. So like you look at it and see the positive. Okay, great. I I got the flash anyway. It's fine. You know, like I got the flash anyway. It's all good. And and it's like, well, okay, could I have actually just got the flash and, and back What's off? the alternative look like? What's the alternative to? look like? Because I get to save my flash to kill him later. Okay. Okay. I'm really struggling to articulate this, but I'll try right, my best. Curtis, here. I believe in you here. Let's do it. When you are climbing from, say, Diamond 4 to, to say, uh, Master, you don't really need to have overly sophisticated reviews. You can just basically review your major mistakes and major deaths and get to master, in my opinion, right? From our experience, what we've done, thousands of reviews. You can probably look at your key deaths. You can look at your basic failed ganks. You can look at basic skirmish errors. And you could definitely get to master. with those, champ mastery. You don't have to do super sophisticated reviews. No. But if we're talking from a challenger review perspective, because what challenger really is, guys, and what this is why we say anyone can get to master, but not everyone can get to GM and challenger, is because the attention to detail is insane. That is why master to challenger is difficult. It's actually not really difficult in terms of like, it's more mentally difficult. It's mentally taxing because it's like you can play well, but there's a difference between playing well and playing great. There's a difference between playing great and playing amazing. So let's break this down through those, those tiers. What what is what is good look like? What does great look like? What does amazing look like? So here, let's say amazing. Start with amazing. Amazing is this. Boom. Insta back off. Insta back off, like you said. Because your mind says only to get the flash. That's amazing. And then so good, or, or, or let's say great, for example, maybe he follows a little bit. Maybe, maybe, I mean, he doesn't flash. Maybe he tries to chase and realizes maybe like a second or two later, he's like, okay, fuck, I'm wasting time. I can't go for this. Backs off. But there was room for improvement. He could have been faster. faster. He could have identified faster. And then maybe good is like, again, the gang's still good. And maybe he just survives. Shaco doesn't kill him. And it's like, okay, it's still a good situation, but I yep. it could have been better if I didn't chase. And then and then bad, bad is what happens. Bad is what bad. happens here, yeah. right? There's very there's levels to this. So you can review this multiple ways. If he dies here, he could review he could have been like, oh, maybe I should just, you know, depends how deep he wants to go, is what I'm saying. And so a lot of people um in Master Plus, why they don't get challenger is they'll look at a play that wasn't terrible. Like they maybe they didn't die, or maybe they go for a failed solo kill, and they say, "Oh, they'll look at it through one lens." Like, "Oh yeah, they just survived. It's okay. I didn't. I didn't lose that much." They will only go over the things that are really big. You can't just go over the really big things anymore. You need to say, "Okay, this just didn't work." But what did I miss by going for this? For example, let's use. I think jungle is an easier way to use an example of this. Let's say you're a jungler and you go for a gank, and you, you you gank and you you blow this guy's flash. A, a challenger jungler will say, well, 
was blowing this flash even worth it? That's right. Why am I? Is this? Should I actually should even be showing here? Is this valid? Is this worth my time? Because now do I expose my bot lane or do I have to lose dragon off this? How does this influence the game ninety seconds from now? Yes, that's Two that's a challenger. Le- but but a, a a diamond would be like. They wouldn't even... Re- they're like, oh, it got flash, great. It's more about in the moment. Diamond in the moment. reviews is more about what is the, what is, what's happening in the, the 10 seconds. Yes. The challenger is thinking more, how did, what's two minutes look like? And so, so one, the reason I'm bringing this up is that Nice does not have challenger-level review habits. So regardless, like, he won't develop challenger-level gameplay without challenger-level review habits. You don't get... The, the attention to detail required to get challenger is... It's way more detailed than this. Mm. He didn't even review this. No. He literally didn't even review this. Yeah. Well, he reviewed it in the game, right? That was his review in the game. Yeah, but he didn't go in the post game no. to look at this and second guess it. No. And his initial... And this is what I talked about in my YouTube video. You have an initial hypothesis. So this is what, how everyone improves in League. Everyone entire history of League of Legends improves like this. They make a decision like this, goes for it. They die, fails, whatever. They will make a quick little comment mentally like him. Ready? Yeah, not enough damage. Maybe if I recalled and tried it, maybe. Boom! That's his. So that's now he's had it. He's made an intuitive decision. Boom! Now he's reviewed that in his mind. Like you said, he's done his mini review process. I should have based, and then I would have killed him. If I spent my gold, if I, I would have had more damage, I would have killed him. That's his review. In my YouTube video, I break down the dangers of this review type this can work for very very basic situations where it's like oh, duh, i failed my flash over the wall it's very surface it's, level. if it's a simple basic situation where it's like i obviously just missed my java eq i obviously fail flash over this wall i missed the smite that makes sense you can do that this is very good this is best case scenario by the way when you're reviewing if you can actually correctly break down a situation immediately after it's the most time efficient and most effective form of learning when you get higher and you're in more complex situations you cannot rely on your default instinct instinctual um breakdown of that situation because they're more the situations are so complicated you have to like attempt and it's like a problem solve because you're not going to have the skills yeah we're not saying that magically a challenger only knows how to review challenger and a master you have to like no. really start digging and do thought experiments curiosity. curiosity this is where this comes into play so so it's like and that's okay there's nothing wrong with having a baseline assumption but what i talk about in my video and this is what i do i have a baseline assumption i say hmm okay yeah maybe i could have played that better I, i'm going to revisit that i put a pin in it and that's what the review quality is like i go to these pivotal moments that i know that i'm not 100 percent sure unless i am 110,000 percent sure that i no, this is the this You've is gone through light. every simulation in your head. If it's simple, sure. If it was, if it wasn't really simple, I will look over it again. Because the it, this incorrect breakdown of a situation is worst case scenario. Because now what happened? Your intuition is actually getting worse. You're actually yeah. blunting the knife. Yeah, you're not sharpening the knife. You're blunting the knife. You're getting worse. That was an incorrect decision and you thought now you've told yourself oh like you know it was actually that going for it was actually not the problem it was actually i should i should have spent my gold that's the incorrect that's the incorrect assumption here but if you don't get into the details you don't know how if your into intuition is improving positively or negatively and this is how people just go in loops and circles yes and it's how people get worse get as well and that's how they get worse yes they get worse this absolutely way. so i'm so passionate about this because i've seen it a thousand times yes. 
Yes. And and and, and this is not about Nice. No. This is we're just using Nice as a bit of an a, a example, example here. Yeah. Because and the thing, this is everywhere. Mm. And this is why people struggle to improve in League of Legends. Mm. This is it in clear picture, clear daylight. Real time. Real time. All right, let's continue a couple more clips in this game. Maybe if I had recalled first. Amazing stuff. And he says amazing stuff and he insta-pings his mid laner here. Now, you know, this hasn't really got to do with reviewing or anything like that, but again, this is just showing how these narratives that he's creating here of how bad his Melzo is for not going to that play is is this is poor form for sure. Oh no, um, so this is again what we spoke about just before. Yeah. His his instinctual, like his read of the situation was Malzahar didn't ping missing. Yeah. Now now that might be the case, but going back to what we said at the start, my tidbit. A juicy tidbit. You must assume that you were in the wrong and then use the review to prove that you weren't in the wrong. Right? What has he done? He's automatically... Now, this is basically... I'm right. I actually played this well. That was my that was my laners fault. But when you look at it, actually, we replay this. Mal's, Mal, there was nothing to do with Malzahar. There was no way Malzar would know that Sindra was moving in this situation. If you actually go back, Sindra was based. If we go back even further here, they reset. Sindra was out, was came to this gank out, out of base. He walked over a ward. This one was obviously warded here. And he's also not taking into mid priority at all going for no this No mid priority here. Purely thinking about going for this. Purely thinking about the one one. Yeah. And so, and, and there was no way Malzar could ever. No. <laughs> ever in a million. I wouldn't ping that. No. So I would get flamed here, Runnies. Yep. That's right. I would get flamed here. And then, Amazing stuff. And then pings mid. I would just get flamed there by Nice, if that were me. Yep. So, again, this is showing... This is, again, you know, talking about at the beginning, so everything makes sense. Everything this makes sense. This is what a Diamond 4 jungler... This is how they behave. This is what they look like. This is what they This is like. a Diamond 4 jungler. Yes. I mean, this Flaming is... teammates, not getting into the review... But, oh, I mean, getting through, but get, uh, coming in with narratives... Proving, trying to prove that it was his teammate's fault rather than his fault. Not with not not having that problem solving mindset, having the victim mentality, making basic. And, and there's nothing wrong with the mistakes. If if he imagine like again, like he made these all these mistakes, but then tried to ha come in with a problem solving mindset. mindset. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. That's good. It's, it's, it's good. We'll be improve. saying how good Nice's review process yes, is right be, now. We'll be complimenting <laughs> yeah. Nice and how gritty, and he's going to improve. He's going to get there. Yeah. But obviously he's not doing it, hence why he's sitting at the same rank for a very long time now. There is no positive signs here, no. no. Alright, and then the last clip was sort of his... I, I just don't know what to do with these people. So what happened now is his Caitlyn and Army just died again to a Kaiser that's 6-1 with Kraken Slayer. 
And this is, again, the instinct his first comment to talk about. But, you know, the game is completely over by game's this over. point. You should not be making any sort of comments like this. And again, this is fueling his narrative. It's just that fueling. It's going to make it harder for you to get into the review. Because Akasa and Nami Kaelin that have lost and you completely didn't, again, you didn't protect them in the early game with your ward. Of course, they're going to die on repeat. And it's end of review at, already. It's going to And, and look at the way that he's continuing to talk about this now, which is really disappointing well, to just say. like heavily uh, just statistically impaired teammates so no responsibility there at all you know not curious everything's coming together here again with a, a poor review yeah. quality process it's actually what it is too these guys are apes they're like absolute stupid players The fact that I sat there and spam pinged it and it still happened is just wild to me. All right, so there's a lot we've just taken away from those short plays. There's so much Nice could have done that game, you know? And it's just not fair to be calling your teammates apes when everyone, the matchmaking system is unbelievable, guys. Everyone's in their rank for a reason. There's, we've got to get into the details. And, but this is, this is an example, guys, of showing you're going to be calling your teammates quote-unquote apes and stuff when you're confused, when you're not reviewing properly. And, you know, looking at this, you know, reviewing so important to us, guys, because we have so much fun in the game when we, uh, not even when we know the answers, when we're working towards knowing the answers. This looks like a miserable experience for Nice. I genuinely don't know why you would play the game with his mentality. It looks so terrible. If you're not having fun or you're not playing for improving, why are you playing League of Legends? It's not, that does not look like a fun experience. No. The curiosity is what makes League fun. If, 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 if we were playing a game that was purely dictated by the quality of your teammates and by matchmaking, no one would play the game, right? Like, we wouldn't play the game. Nope. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the point? It's gambling at that yep. point. It's a complete gamble. <laughs> it's it's gamble. not fun. We wouldn't play the game. It's like you're playing a pay-to-win game or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. You know what's... Before we get into this, something that's really funny is that you can make a case that anyone is quite a quote-unquote ape if you just look at it from their perspective. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna again. Let's look at it from Malzahar's perspective, right? It's like, why do I have a Wukong on my team that's not pinging? Where you know, like it, you could look at it from Malzahar's perspective. I've got a oh goddamn it! I got the full clearing jungler who's just full clearing and doesn't and doesn't ping ping Shaco's location, or um, obviously the bit of exaggeration, but you get the point. Or the Malzahar is just going back to lane, and then he could the exact say call he, by Wukong's and why is my Wukong invading <laughs> with no prior and yeah. just walks over everyone and dies? Like what an exactly. eight. <laughs> Everyone's just calling or, or, or Malzai could have could have easily flamed him for chasing the Shaco and dying to the sha chasing the Syndra, Syndra and dying to the Shaco. You, the, the, the Malzai could have made many many arguments in that game to call Nice an ape in that game if mm. you really if you frame it looking at it through Malzai's lens. Mm. So like you can't. It's all about perspective. It's all relative. It is. Anyone can look terrible. Anyone can be made look terrible with the game because game's hard. The game is fucking hard. I make I make terrible Absolutely. disgraceful. The, um, mistakes that doesn't mean I'm an ape <laughs> the game is just hard there's lots of human error in the and, game and everything makes sense this is the thing you've got to understand that everything makes sense in League of Legends like there's an input there's an output and if you put in the games and you make better core decisions you get the LP and you win right there's no grand conspiracy here we've talked about that why is it possible for players <laughs> like Bo to come onto the EUS server twice and get rank one in a span of two weeks with a 75 And when, like, Showmaker and stuff come to, to yeah. NA and EU... It's not a coincidence, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
And so what's this, Nathan? What are we looking at? All right, so the last thing here I want to mention, this is a bit of a rant here. So this is um, in, this is a chat log from Nisa's community in the stream of him after he talked about his teammates this way. I'll read what it says here. Is one of his community members says, expect from diamond apes not knowing how to invade a shaker. Your teammates play like mentals since five rounds and then someone else says right matchmaking is a joke been saying it for a while one team always competent one always boosted i curtis how would what how would we deal with these type of comments in our community i mean for starters they don't even exist yep that's right but let's um, say if we see this what if what, i see this well it's like it's like well i think the first thing i say is like okay show me an example let's get into this so show me this first of all, show me a clip of 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 what you're angry about that's the first thing I'll say. Show me a clip. And then, okay. And then I'll get into it. And then we'll say, okay, let's see how we contributed to the situation. And then I'll say, okay, well, um, league is a game where it's all about uh, making, it's about long-term. It's not about the short-term. You can't you can't gauge what's going to happen in that three block or that week of games. You can gauge what's going to happen over hundreds of games. And it's about um, taking responsibility and accountability. Um and you can't focus. You don't. You can't focus on on other people, and, and and you're the only consistent factor in each and every solo queue game. You're not. You're not going to play with these players again, nope. right? And if everyone is bad, and you're good, there's the odds are stacked. They're actually in your favor because, right? You've, you're there's the one five good bad player. Players, and you only have four bad players on That's your team. That's right. <laughs> so the odds are in your favor. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's many ways you can break it down, but it's like starting points. How about you? Well, so my rant's about this, you know, like when you see these copper comments is that, you know, when Nice is behaving this way on his stream, Mm. this is what's encouraged, Mm. right? You know, like we're talking about teammates, like I not once, not once have said my teammates, like my first responsibility, my first thing is like, okay, this is the thing as well, guys. I take full responsibility for, let's say, my teammates' deaths first. Then I'll be like, okay. And even when I reviews him soldier as well, I was like, okay, well, actually, was there bad there? Yeah. But that that's fine because you can't be expected. Not everyone's a professional player, guys. Yes. You know, we're in the rank for a reason, right? So, you know, it's just so sad to see that this is the the reality of the community. This is what's encouraged. This is just not tolerated in and my niece, community at all. It, 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 this is the thing: is that Nice has a large audience. This is, and this is he why he's using an example. Absolutely, he has a res- whether or not he wa- wants the responsibility or not, whether or not he yes wants it, or whether or not he even planned on having it. That's not the point. But he has a responsibility to start spreading the, the positive. Imagine Nice is some people's role model, right? Nice has provided a lot of value for the community. He's done a lot, especially for the lower elo community. He's got a large low elo um, following. And if this is the messages he's spreading, imagine what all these lower ELO players are going to be saying in their games. And he's tarnishing their... He's influencing these people's relationship with the game very negatively. These type of comments is why we do this podcast, guys. This is what we need. This is going to take... I want to show you guys as well, just for this this episode. This is a snapshot. December 2022. This is where we're at. This is the reality of the way the top content creators... This is not just a nice thing. I've watched many other coaches as well. I mean, as a coach, you think that that, that's a pretty loaded term. That's like a... That's someone who's like a, you know, above above the, you know, the pettiness Mm. of you know, the solo interaction. Like, this is someone that's meant to be a role model, a coach. You know, you think about your traditional sports coaches, yeah. you know, as a kid growing up, like, you know, they're people that you follow, that you that you want to mold and be into, become. And this is what it's at. This is the current state, unfortunately, guys. And it's mm. just so sad to see. And it's very frustrating for me because these are the clients that come in and I need to undo all these yeah. narratives. We have to undo the work. Constantly undo work. the work, yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah, it's going to take us years. All these people quit the game, yep. even though they could have enjoyed the game. And League's so fun, guys. That's the thing. It's just so sad. It to can see. be fun. It can be fun. <laughs> when it's not fun like this. Yeah, it's, it can be not fun. Yeah, like, this is a great yeah. example of that. So, yeah. that's my quick two cents rant. Just, we've got a lot of work to do, yeah. and uh, it's going to take we're, we're us years. We're trying to extinguish the fire here. Constantly. And yeah. I feel like when stuff like this happens, because remember, you know, these are hour-long streams, and I... Did a couple of things. This is very normal. Nix is reviewing all day like this and showing this is how you review guys. Yeah. The one redeeming thing, at least he is opening the review. That's right. That's, That's a, a good start. That's yes. a very good start. We've got a long way to go. A long way to go, but he started start <laughs> somewhere. A good so start. it'll be interesting to see how he goes. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. There's a lot, a lot there to be done. And I think the other thing is that he needs to realize that he's not a talented gamer. Mm. Maybe really he was. Maybe in other games he was. But the, I got I we both had to get over this. Yep. Right. We 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 were good at one point, right? When we we're younger, and then now we're we're you know a bit older. We played the game for a while. We don't have that that cocky confidence anymore. We don't have the. the mechanic. I did that. I came back. My story all the time that I've said on this podcast. When I came back after not playing for four years, after being challenger in season three, four, five. I was struggling in Platinum 1, Diamond 4, and I had the ego, super delusional, didn't know how to review properly. Until I accepted my reality of play, then I had to put in insane work, insane you know, self-reflection to get to Challenger where yeah, I'm at now. Exactly. You cannot rest on laurels, on your previous laurels. You're, a se- you're a Challenger in whatever season, it doesn't matter. Nope. This is your level of play now. This is it. This is the reality. This is your process now. This is your process now. Mm. And everyone's getting better at the game. So like, regardless, it's like, you got to get better. And you're obviously not talented because if you're talented, you would already be like GM by now. You're not a talented gamer. And then, but that's hard. It's really hard to, to especially if you thought you were talented, especially that's if right. you would believe you were talented. Um, so he's got to really put in that work. We say a lot. Some of the hardest clients that come into us that we have to deal with is they were let's say diamond one season and now they're gold. Yeah. Like they've gone backwards. They're the hardest because (laughs) they've got all these narratives, you know, then it's like, okay, well I was, I should just be that ranked right now. Because it's expectations. Expectations. Correct. Yes. In a way, fundamentally, when you have that mentality, you think you're above others in your games that you deserve to win the games automatically. And that's going to make a sloppy review process. That's That's automatically going to create that. You're coming in with the, with the victim mentality, not a problem solving mentality. You're searching reasons that you, why you are losing rather than why you should, why you could, be winning getting that curious problem solving mindset so i hope this episode was helpful in terms of thinking about all this segment we'll go into Mm -hmm. mailbag Mm -hmm. about you know what you need to think about reviewing i love your analogy about the different levels you can look at a single play one there is one thing i would want to touch on here that i think is a beautiful little parallel to this this even extends even to how you perceive a champion. So, so this is the this I'm assuming is likely happening with this in his journey. He's referencing a lot of champions and champion strengths and weaknesses. There's many clients in Mermidland Academy, and they come in, they have preconceptions about a champion. They will say things like, uh, "Ari is a weak laner," and because they've got this like this, this narrative or this belief, right, that that Ari is a weak laner. When they play the game and when they review the game, that belief is actually shaping what they see because your belief or your mindset is like a lens. It shapes, it distorts reality in front of you. So if you come in with the mentality that Ari is a weak laner, you're going to be finding reasons in the review to to bolster up that belief that it is a weak laner. So, but if you come in with a, okay, she can be weak in certain situations, but she can be strong in certain situations. You're not going to be, you're not attached to that. Okay, Ari is weak in the early game. I can't do anything. Because that limits your creativity. And so what I've noticed is that people have these like 
very strongly held beliefs and narratives about champions, whether it's they're really OP or whether they're really weak in this certain stage of the game. And it actually shapes and influences their review process. They play the game so rigid. Yes, they have a rigid way of viewing the game because of this. I had a great example of... Then there's a new narrative about the Udi. Have you seen the Udi Prowlers, the one shot with Tiger Stance? It's like the most damage in the game. You can do like 2,000 damage in a second. It's like insane. And uh, I was reviewing some one of my members, Soul 2 members' games, and he had that narrative that Udi is always, I can't even get him mal range, can't go, but he was in a situation where the Udi was obviously easily able to kill, but because of that mindset, he's missing clear opportunities in the game as well. And he said, oh, in the review, I didn't even see that because I just thought that I just get, if I go near Udi, I get one shot. When, yeah, he, did, when right. he didn't have his empowered <laughs> queue up, like it's impossible. Yeah. And then that actually, that's a really, really good point because what then that when that does, when they have a view of the champion like that, they don't punish cooldowns. Yes, that's right. Because they assume that they always have it up and you can't go anywhere near them. Because <laughs> it's like, it's the best champion in the game. You yeah, can't go near right. them. That's right. I actually had that when with Shaco and with a lot of actual champions in the game, Kindred and all these champions. Like, And if you don't bother to get specific, you're just like, I would automatically assume that Shaco always has Deceive. Yeah. Or automatically assume that Kindred can always be there or whatever it might be. And until you get granular and you get specific, it's you got, you got to address them. If you, you feel like you have these like toxic general expectations about a champion, you got to address them because they will bite you in the ass in the long run. Absolutely. Mailbag? All right, let's jump to Mailbag, guys. Away we go. Alrighty then, first question here is from Max. The title of this email is Taking Month-Long Breaks from LOL. Hey Nathan, Curtis and Charlie. Max here. I've been jumping in and out of Salter recently, so Nathan would know of me. He's a volleyball player. He plays on Os. He's usually Diamond 1 to Master. I really enjoy playing League of Legends and I feel like it's a really good competitive outlet for myself and I would love to make something out of it. Example, you know, for example, I plan to join my university team. Great. However, I've been noticing a pattern throughout the last season. The pattern is that I consistently play three blocks throughout the month and thoroughly enjoy them. But then I go down this rabbit hole of consistently playing poorly and directly losing my team's multiple games, which makes me feel miserable. So miserable that playing low is the last thing I want to do, thus leading to me breaking from solo queue, which is detrimental to my progress across the year. The break is typically one or two months as I normally get stuck into another game, but I always come back to low for that high elo competitive aspect of the game. Thus, the cycle repeats itself. I've tried just queuing up almost against my will to overcome this hurdle, but no matter what, I keep seeing obvious areas of my gameplay and continue playing below my level. I've tried various things, but the only way I've found to overcome this issue is a break from ranked. I'm not sure if it's a mental slash motivation thing, but any help would be greatly appreciated. Since he's a jungler, do you want to tackle this one first? Yep. So some things that I'm seeing here. Red flags. But then I go down this rabbit hole of consistently playing poorly and directly losing my team's multiple games, which makes me feel miserable. So this is great. It looks like he's saying that he's taking full responsibility for his games. And Max does have a pretty good... I've worked with his review process. Definitely you can see the basic mistakes that he's making. All right. Uh, so, I mean, I've, I guess I have lots more context on Max. But specifically with Volibear, you know how we talk about... So he basically was pretty much a one-trick... He played a lot of Volibear. Volibear is a champion. I mean, I played a lot of Volibear this year as well. You can, like, lose your mind playing that champion. It's a very sort of, like, not sexy champion. 
I don't know if Max is the type of... I don't know why well enough to know the type of person to just play that really boring play style because he played like the full tank build, that sort of stuff. Volibear Jungle can feel pretty bad to play. So already already that's like a champion. Maybe he needs to refresh in his... Play a yeah. different style completely. Being play a like one an trick, assassin. you got to be a very specific type of person. Type of person especially too. like a tank. Oh, trick. yeah, dude. I, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to sort of kill people. <laughs> so that's my first thing. Okay. Um, the next thing here is, you know, taking the break here. Um, I'll jump in here. So I, I, I approach this from a different way. Okay. I want to address why losses feel so painful. Now, I, I've had a few clients like this and breaks are just a band-aid solution. If playing league is that painful, there's a problem. You need to address the problem. Why is league or losing game a league that painful? Well, there's a few things. Number one, he's actually delusional about his level of play. He's got expectations. His expectation is that he's going to be able to play a certain way and he's not. he shouldn't be making these mistakes and... Uh, and 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 because he's making these mistakes that he shouldn't be making, that's frustrating him. And 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 he's like he's needing to take a break. When in reality, he was always going to make those mistakes. That is his level of play. He said that he was playing below his level, but that's the no. expectation. He's playing at you his are level. playing at your level, yes. and 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 that is why. So you you believe. So the reason you're not having fun. And, and and league actually does become very unfun when you believe you're playing below your level. Hmm. When you realize over playing league for a long time, you actually realize this was always your level of play. And that's just kind of like a way, a defense mechanism or just, you're just delusional or don't really have the full picture about the game and, and or don't have a deep respect for the execution expect aspect of the game. You will find it miserable because you're like, well, I'm, I, I, I like playing the game when I'm playing to my limits and I get these, I have these amazing games and look, see what I'm capable of. They're fundamentally forgetting about the bell curve, right? The bell curve, you're sitting at D1. You're sometimes playing, making decisions maybe, or playing a game at a high master level. You're sometimes playing in a game at a low diamond level. Yep, sometimes his gameplay is beautiful. I'm like, yep, yep, I'll do all the decisions in this game. Great but stuff. if you were making those decisions consistently, you would be at a higher rank. So what what you got to realize is that it's not, it's not, that is his level of play. His lack of consistency is what is making him diamond one. Mm. But if you accept that and you own that and you, you manage your expectations, like, okay, that is my level of play. You're going to have a much better relationship with the game and the losses won't be as painful because it's like, oh, it is what it is. I went out there, I expressed my best self. I lost, I made my mistakes, take a look, get into it. I think you're spot on though. I think it's that in combination with playing very hard Volibear games. Volibear is not a blind, pickable, great champ every game. If you have another tank on your team, you're doing no damage. You're doing no damage or you're versing a lot of mobility. You're versing Ares and stuff like that. You're just going to do nothing. And you're versing like a Graves or something that's just like power farming. And then you you mess up a few ganks. You just just lose. Hmm. You just lose. So like, I think... He needs to do a few things. He needs to completely refresh his view of the game, playing a champion that is kind of different to Volibear, maybe a non-tank oriented champion, damage champion like carry Diana like or a something, Kindred like that. or something. Yeah, you know, just completely shift his perspective. Yeah, that will expand his view of the game. They'll do two things: we'll have more fun, I think, and it will expand his view of the game fundamentally. And 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 this is what I tell people: it will give you that ability to alternate between different styles, and then it'll keep it things fresh for you, as well as understanding and ha- or having a deep respect for the bell curve and the execution aspects of the game, and that that it always was your level of play. 
That's that. That's what I think. And yep. that should prevent the pain, loss of from being that painful. And the worst thing you could do for these players is actually take a break because the break is just a band-aid solution. There are times where you should take a break. I'm not saying breaks are bad. Breaks are actually very important for certain people, especially when you've been playing a lot of games, you're burnt out, whatever. This is not burnout. If you're getting burnt out over short periods of time like that, that is not burnout. Burnout is, is a long-term thing. That's when you've been grinding for like two years or a year and a half and you're burnt to a crisp. That makes sense, but that is not burnout. Here to tell you that. No. Yeah, I agree. I think you put it well. Um, yeah, he says he's miserable playing LOL the last thing he wants to do. And Well, that's what happens because you go into a game and if you forget that feeling, you're loading up like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be like, you know, it, that's that's not good. You're not having fun. He's lost the fun aspect. Bring it, What brings him fun? That's the first question he needs to answer. What do I enjoy about League of Legends? Sounds like he's a competitive person. He likes the competitive right. aspect. So if you want to, if you want to be a competitor in high low solo queue, you got to have a more diverse champ.ple You got to have at least multiple. Like Nathan, you don't when you're playing volleyball, you weren't only playing volleyball. You're playing a bit of Rexai and a bit, a uh, bit of these other champions. So you have diversity. You have some sort of diversity. Being a one trick is very, very risky. Yes, especially in terms of your motivation with the game. Yes. All right, moving on here. This one's from Wilhelm. Title of this email is, Why does team play work for improving at traditional sports, but not league? Why does what, sorry? Team play work for improving at traditional sports, but not league. Hello, Nathan and Curtis. You often say that solo queue is the best way to improve at league. In contrast, traditional sports, to my knowledge, have nothing even close to the solo queue ladder. Why are people able to improve playing on teams in traditional sports, but not league? Drills, culture, and more experienced coaching come to mind as possible reasons. However, I'm not familiar with traditional sports, so there could be more factors. Do you think solo queue would be the way to improve at traditional sports if it existed? Do you think there are options in traditional sports missing from league that would make team play a viable way to improve? You don't. You don't improve from team play in any traditional sport. Right, think about it, right? Like, when... when Okay, so like let's take let's take NFL for example, right? American football. They don't improve really. Like they don't use the game day to improve. The improvement is in the review of that, but also the drills and all the practice sessions that they're doing. They're drilling their plays, mapping out their plays. That's where the training is done. And the physical aspect of and it. The physical the physicality. Yeah, Only the you gym, can train. Your body's your body. No one else helps you with your That's body. That's right. Like the, so I don't think the players view that's, that's execution time. That's mm. putting into action what we've learned throughout the week and the year and the, the off season. So I don't actually believe that in traditional sport, there is actually that much improvement on game day and when you're playing in a team. I think Wilhelm's confusing the, maybe as a kid, you're just chucked into a team mm. and there's your only practice with the team and stuff. Only the best players that we knew growing up, they did training by themselves that's separately, right. but that's, Again, that's different, right? That's a yeah. Point. When I thought of all the in like when we were younger, like when I played football and soccer and stuff like that, the best players always had a father that was obsessed about the sport, and they would train outside of with them outside of that game day. They would always do their own training on top of the training that they did with us during the week. You know, yeah, they would do extra training, and that's what made them so good. They weren't improving on game day; they no, were improving team. in their own training. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I think there is an element of like you know you can learn from those experiences. Because you're like, you know, you execute and you're, you're trying with intensity and stuff like that. But that's... You get used to like game pace and, yeah. you know, what the enemy is going to do. Learning, but it's opponent. minimal. 
comparatively to the preparation that you put in, right? Like all the the fitness, the cardio and all that. So I think you just can't compare. No, you can't compare. You can't compare these physical sports. But, really. I mean, solo queue is team play still at the end of the day as well because you're understanding what players and champions mm. want. Mm. You know, like it's this weird thing where solo queue is just solo. It's not like, like why is it that for me as a jungler, I am like one of the highest rated junglers in O solo queue, but I don't play a carry style at all. Why is that? Mm. That means that I must be playing league of legends that's just what league of legends is or jungling is what league is really at the most fundamental level is you understand you you pick a champion and your champion does particularly you have like a role in your comp right it doesn't really matter what that role is you have a role in your comp your job is to play that role to the best of your ability and if you play that role really well and you complement the teammates and know how to play into the enemy composition, you're, you're probably going to win a lot of games. It doesn't matter if that's a tank role, peeling role, creating space role, getting vision role, whatever the hell it might be. You know, you're, you're ticking. It doesn't really matter what the role is. You just got to be good at what your role is. That's what we talk about in solo queue. Like solo queue is about doing your job. Do your job. Do your job. And obviously your job, you have to interact with other people. So you are theoretically on a team. You've got teammates, you're helping your team. But when I think of team, I think of like set plays and like yeah. a lot of organization and communication yeah. and... There is very little, like, little commu- there is little to no communication, and you're basically just doing your job. They do their job, and if we do that well, we're gonna win. So, like, all my AD carry has to do is I have to peel my AD carry. So they still have to do their job. They have to like hit their abilities and kite tether and do damage. But I got to also make make it as easy as possible for them to do, to do their job. So there's two jobs there: peeling and, and or, like doing my thing, but then also trying to find ways to make it easier for them to do their job. Right. The piling in your champion, yourself, hitting skill shots, you being aware of where everyone is, tethering, that, if you were doing a percentage of that and team play, that's like 80, that's a huge percentage yeah, of the massive. game. It's like the majority of the, the game. The team play aspect of it is like very small. This is why But we, when yeah. you get to the highest level, that's those right. tiny details, that's what actually that's makes right. a difference. But we're talking about the 0.001%. Because if everyone is competent individually, that's where team play comes into play, right? right? Because everyone knows how to do their job now. Yeah. So if everyone knows their matchups and everyone knows how to path correctly and everyone knows wing cons correctly, well now, okay, everyone knows how to play the game of League of Legends. Now that's where actual team play and actual strategy is employed. That's yeah. where creative level ones and you know team fight optimization and like creative macro plays as you see in worlds, like all this crazy shit. Because you need to find advantages in other creative ways. Because if you just sit there, you're just going to lose the game. Because the thing is, is that if if you're not competent individually and you don't know how to reliably do your job, that will be the first thing to get exploited, and yeah. that is the easiest thing to exploit. Yeah. So, for example, this is what we talk about: if you get a team of five challengers and you put them against five master tier players you've been scrimming every day for years and have all these crazy comps and it won't matter doesn't matter you get it destroyed. won't matter because they they don't they, the the they don't know how to do their job enough mm. well enough mm. so the pit the five challenger players will just do their job way better and because that's 80 percent of the game they're gonna win the game that's right and they would never play with each other never talk they wouldn't even have to be on comms not wouldn't even have to be on comms no straight up all right i think that answers that question We'll do one more here. This is from Aiden. Top laner looking for mid and jungler perspective. Hello coaches. I'm a top laner, top lane player currently struggling a bit with narratives about the impact that I'm having on my games. For me, it can feel that I'm on my own and 
am not helping too much until the mid game comes where I can output major pressure onto the enemy towers in the side lanes. I'm wondering what you guys think about the role from your outside perspective. When do you feel the biggest impact from the top laners in your games? How about from the enemy top laners? Are there any mistakes that you often notice top laners making? How do you see their role within the game holistically? I've actually, so I've actually played a lot of Yone top on my Yone journey, right? So um, I just employed a lot of the things I learned from other top laners, like versing them. And the number one thing we speak about in this podcast is that top, good top laners, they know how to be there for major fights. They know how to group well, right? So I'm playing Yone top. In my Yone guide that will be out as this is released, if you go to the mid, I think there's a section where we go over mid game, mid game uh, simplified, I think it's called. Me and Tim go over a few examples. I go over one example where I actually play Yone top. And I'm a fed, I'm not even actually that fed. I'm using a Yone, uh, an Orn top. And you see how I play the macro game? I actually carry from a Yone top perspective. Just shoving and moving, finding my farm windows and being there for the major fights. Even if I had TP, just, I don't want to TP late to a fight. I want to be there from the side coming in. Watch that. That will actually show you how to be a high impact top laner. I mean, obviously through a Yone lens, where I'm just always there for the major objectives. I'm always there for the major team fights. Just boom, boom, boom. And then when there's nothing happening, I'm farming, shoving, farming, shoving, getting pressure, making them react, and then coming back. I'm not split pushing. I'm playing that pressure game beautifully. So that's what I'd recommend. That's what a good top laner is. They know how to get farm. They know how to be there for, they know how to time their roams and be there for the major fights and do their job and execute it when they need to execute it. The amount of games I've lost from a fed Aatrox that runs down to a dragon fight at 12 minutes is unbelievable. Yeah, because no one can concede. It's like, we got to fight this dragon, and then Aatrox comes and cleans up. So typically the most easy way to dominate from top, right? What I've found from top lane playing Yone, you win via wave management, you use that wave management to take good trades into a good reset. Then you've now created a TP advantage. You force their TP, or because you can shove tempo reset, come back with, get a free recall without them being able to collect the, uh, shove the wave out. You freeze, you've got a free uh, buy over them. They can't get the wave out. You freeze, so they have to you take a good trade. They have to base and TP back to break the freeze. Now, boom, you've got a TP advantage. And then you can do something with that or heavy trade into your TP. Now you're one step up all the time because you're one base on top of them. So you always get pressure. And then you can kind of do things from there that snowballs into whatever it is, a mid-roam or a Rift Herald or whatever. So that's a very specific situation, Curtis. If I think about the fundamentals of doing your job as a top laner, I love top laners like this on my team. They're not losing the game for my team. They're not getting, you know, frozen on or like they've got solo killed a couple mm-hmm. of times. There, because then what that is now done. The entire that's like a that's like a leakage of the map. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I think about the best, who's the best top laner on server in solo? By Panther. By far. Let's look at some things that make him makes games hard. He's always strong. He's not losing the game for his team. Yes. Even if even if his team's all losing, he's just chilling zero yeah, zero, 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 zero or something like that, right? You never have to unbreak a freeze for him or like come up to help a wave or anything. He's no. just always in a good position. Yeah. Good well, wave. Well, you might have to do that sometimes, right? But like he's not doing it's there's consistency. So much there, consistency, right? there, yeah. Um there for major fights all the time. He knows how to shove and move and be there for major team fights. Yeah. For a dragon or something. Yep, impacting those dragons when they're coming up. And what else? Yeah, not dying to ganks. I mean, mm. just not dying, you know, tracking the enemy jungler. Soaking pressure. Soaking pressure, yeah. So, like, not dying to dives as well. Like, like if your jungler ganks bot, if Nathan ganks bot, he's not dying top. No. He understands when, especially like the jungler, okay, my jungler's bot side, I'm not taking any heavy trades top because then that reduces the potential yep. for a dive. Or, yeah, that's really a dive or getting 
community. It's a lot. It is a lot of basics like that. If you can just do that, that's going to get you a long way. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's predicated on knowing your matchups and good wave management and yep. good resets. Yeah. Right, so that's, I mean, that's more of, so Biopen is more, I view it more as like a tanky lens, like a tank lens. I mean, mm. let's think about someone who plays like carry champs, like, like Fiora or something, Fiora. Oh, man, they're just obviously winning the 1v1. Yeah, winning the 1v1. Getting pressure. <laughs> yep. Um, and then a lot of them, they influence mid really well. I've died to many Riven oh, Rooms really? mid. Yeah, yeah many, Riven many. Rooms. Riven Rooms all the time. Um Deep wards, probably, I'm assuming. Again, I would say that it's just, you're just hard to kill. Like a, a Fiora Camille, like they're not eating aggressively when they I don't think need a to. A lot of top lane is really just, you're being a pressure sponge. Mm. You're trying to drag as much people to your lane and not die. Mm. Like, that's what annoying Fioras do, right? It's like, because what, okay, like the most uncomfortable situation, this is why I hate being in a Fiora, when I'm versing a good Fiora, is my top laner can't survive. Right, we know they're gonna die to the Fuhrer, and the Fuhrer is just winning the side. So then, my top laner, because they're bleeding CS, they're they're gonna get dove, or they're just they're struggling. They either have to group to brute force a play, or you, or they have to ping for assistance and get the jungle to come. That's the worst it. situation. Yeah. And then what the Fuhrer does is either then one v two, or just waste the jungler's time, and then the the, re the rest of their team can, has pressure relief because the jungler's showing on the map on the other side of the other side of the map. That's annoying. And I don't know what, as a mid laner, I don't know what to do in that situation because I can't kill the Fuhrer. takes me too long to kill the Fuhrer. And then if I go commit to that side, then my other, we lose drags or barons or whatever the hell it might be. It's just a lose-lose situation. So they just know how to play that side perfectly, pressure, stack waves while not dying. The key is not dying. Mm. Sinking pressure with the team. Oh, so he talked about, you know, the, the narratives and the visible narratives he has, you know, look at the best top laners. I mean, our rank one player on our server is a top laner top at the moment, yeah. you know, so Biopanther. So... <laughs> You just got to really capture the mindset, you know, go even go into the Nice review and everything. Curiosity. Curiosity, do your job. If you do your job incredibly well in League of Legends for your role for your champion, you're going to win most of your games. That's how do the, the best top laners win? Yeah. That, like, that's, that's what I would ask. If you don't know how the best top laners win, that's probably a, that's thing you need to investigate. Be mm. curious. Look at their VODs and see if you see any trends. What do I see between these players? Why are these, play these players who are consistently highly, what are they doing? And get specific on the champion as well. Yes, get specific on the champion. Because, I mean, the way I, well, as a Rao King, yeah. the way he wins top Very lane, different. that's a special type of player to yes. be able to do. He just wins through... Zukil and Zukil and playing Yone top. It's different, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, that's it for this episode, guys. Hopefully, we learned a lot about reviewing. Review your games, guys. We'll see you in next episode.